We all love a good story. A story that has an uh, intriguing plot with interesting, creative characters that captures our attention and entertains us. That's why movies and novels and television programs are so huge in our culture. And maybe the reason that we love stories so much is because we are a story. Every one of us is part of some narrative that has been or is being written in our lives. We have all these different subplots and sub-storylines that make up who we are. We have a family story. We have a financial story. We have a career story, an educational story. We have relationship stories. All these different storylines writing together this narrative that we call our lives. And, and I think maybe that's why we enjoy and are intrigued by stories so much. Because we're trying to find stories that perhaps connect to our story that we can relate to. Or maybe we're even trying to find stories that we can that help us to escape from our story because the narrative being written in our lives that ha or has been written is not something we we really like. And every time we can, we try to get away from what our real story is. But we are driven by stories so much so that you guys right now are really saying to me, Pastor Mark, I really like what you're saying, but what is that story about that we just saw? That's what's really on your mind. Well, that is about a story called Once Upon a Time that premiered this past fall on ABC. And let me give a disclaimer. I am neither promoting nor condemning this television program. Whether you want to watch it or not is between you, God, and your conscience, and anybody else you need to get permission from. But I am simply using it as an illustration because it's a very interesting premise. It takes the classic fairy tale characters that we all know, Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket, um, Snow White, Seven Dwarfs, uh, Prince Charming, um, um, Hansel and Gretel, and takes all these fairy tale stories and weaves them together in one plot and storyline. And the story opens up with all the fairy tale community living in the enchanted forest in the happily ever after portions of their stories. You know, all fairy tales end in happily ever after. And they're living in the contented bliss of the happily ever after story of a portion of their story. But then the evil queen of the Snow White story casts a curse upon the entire fairy tale community and exiles them from the enchanted forest and enslaves them into a lesser story, into a modern day city called Storybrook, Maine. And they have now become modern day people who have forgotten their true identity and have lost what their true story is. But there's a greater power at work that has the power to break the curse and, re and, and restore the fairy tales back to their true identity and place them back in the story for which they were created. Now, I know that's fairy tale and fantasy, but the essence of that story is our story. Because you see, God, who's not a fairy tale character, he is real, true and living God, created every one of us in his image and created us to be in an eternal love relationship with him. And in that eternal love relationship, he chose to reflect his glory and purpose into the earth through us. We, the height of his creation, are the primary means by which he wanted to reflect his glory and purpose into this earth. And he created us in a perfect environment with a perfect relationship with him as perfect people. The contented bliss of that open relationship with God. But then Satan, not a fairy tale character, a real enemy, entered the picture and lured us 
away from the God story for which we were created and tempted us to create our own story, to become the writers of our own story and be the gods of our own lives. And we chose to do that when we sinned against God. And as a result, we forfeited and became separated from our true identity that God made for us and became enslaved and bound to the lesser story of this world, wondering who we really are and why we're really here. And Paul, in his writings, in this letter called Ephesians. And if you happen to have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. It's found between the book of Galatians and the book of Philippians. And and we encourage you to bring a Bible as often as you can. Uh, Not because it's going to make God love you more, because God loves you all. He's going to love you right now. He loves you fully now. But but we encourage you to bring one just so you can take your own notes, so you can underline. And then during the week, you can sort of reflect back on what we've talked about here today. But Paul writes this letter we call Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at chapter 1. We're going to begin in verses 8 and 9 here in just a moment. And he writes to this church. He started this church. Acts chapters 18 and 19 tells this story of Paul beginning this church in Ephesians. And it's in the city of Ephesus to which he is writing. Now, Ephesus was a, was a thriving metropolis during the time of the Roman Empire. And like all thriving metropolis, like every major city today, uh, it had all kinds of different influences happening because it was, it, was a, it was a city of high finance and economy. It was a city of high government. It was a city of high education. It was a city of high religion and spirituality. It was a city of carnality and high immorality. And all these different influences, all these different storylines trying to write the identity and the purpose of all the people. And Paul's writing to the people saying, hey, remember who your head story writer is. Remember the grand story for which you were made. And every one of us in this room, every single day, we're out in this community, we're out in this big city, and all these different influences and subplots trying to tell us who we are and why we're here I believe today the Lord wants us to remember and have maybe a, a renewal, if you will, or a, or a reappreciation, or maybe an introduction for some of us to the grand story that God has made for us. In the first place, we want to look at Ephesians 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is what Paul writes. He says this, he, talking about God, made known to us the, minist- the mystery of his will. Now, mystery is a story term. We all love a good mystery. Of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Now the fulfillment of this mystery is going to be in Jesus Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now what Paul is giving us is the plot of God's story. Every story has a plot and the plot to this story is this to bring everything under Christ. To bring everything under Christ. He uses a term here called, uh, he says, times would reach their fulfillment. And that means the purposes of God are complete. That God in in history and right now and in the future is working everything by his sovereign will to bring all of it to one place. Under the headship of Jesus Christ. Paul uses the term one head. That means authority, leadership, and will. That everything that has happened by God's sovereign plan working in the lesser story of this world where there's wickedness and evil that are opposing his plan, God, even within that, is working his sovereign plan to bring everything to a single moment to where all heaven and earth is under the headship and the rulership 
of Jesus Christ. We aren't here by random chance and we're not here by some providential fate. No, the true and living God has a plan and purpose that he's taking to a particular place and time. When Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign God's kingdom upon this earth. And let me tell you what that says to me. That God's story has a happy ending for us. Listen, if God's story doesn't have a happy ending, I don't want to have any part of it. I want to be in it, but it does have a happy ending. Because this kingdom of God that's going to be on this earth under the rulership of Jesus Christ, it is going to be rid of all evil and wickedness and everything that is wrong in this world, everything that destroys life, uh, sickness, disease, all of that is going to be banished from the kingdom of God under the rulership of Jesus Christ. Man, this, this place is going to be uh, perfect uh, environmentally. We don't have to worry anymore about the ozone layer or whether or not there is global warming. We don't have to worry anymore about whether we're going to have enough fuel or water. We don't have to worry about pollution. We don't have to worry about the natural disasters. This place is going to be perfect environmentally. It'll be perfect economically. Everybody will have more than enough. It'll be perfect sociologically. There will be no more crime, no more murder, no more rape, no more identity theft, no more abandonment, no more abuse, no more divorce. No, no more uh, uh, the breaking and brokenness of relationships. Every relationship will be whole and, and life-giving and loving. There will be no more uh, uh, political corruption. This will be perfect politically because it's going to be God's government and Jesus Christ, the true, just, righteous leader of all times, is going to rule and reign. We won't have any more spin doctors. We won't have more special interest groups. We won't have any more partisanship. I mean, it's going to be the place of all places. This is God's plot and story that brings this happy ending. You know what that says to me? My greatest days are still ahead of me. It tells me that my greatest productivity still lies before me. It tells me that my greatest moments of life are still in front of me. It means I have a distinct destiny. And also, if I'm sitting in this room and my story is telling me that I'm washed up, it's telling me that I'm a has-been. That is the lesser story of this world and its wickedness. God's story says, no, you are just beginning. Maybe you're sitting here and your story is filled with a lot of regret. Maybe your story is filled with a lot of guilt and remorse that you have just missed out on all kind of opportunities and you've wasted so much of your life chasing after things that never have really fulfilled you and you're thinking it's done absolutely not guess what in god's story if we choose to enter we have all eternity to make up for lost time see that's the great thing god's story has a happy ending now you may be saying to me all right does that mean we just have to muddle through this life until all that happens in the future. I mean, are we just sort of holding on, hoping we hang on long enough to get there? No. Because this takes us now to the main characters of God's story. And Paul begins to tell us about the main characters. And this is in verses 11 through 13 of chapter 1. Now, Paul begins to write about two groups of people here. So I want you to hang with me a moment because we've got to work through some, some phraseology that he has here. He says, in him... In, in Christ, we, say we. He's talking about a we people here. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined, that means predetermined ahead of time, 
according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's, he's talking about the sovereign work of God to bring everything under Jesus Christ that we just talked about a moment ago. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, so he's talking about a group of people that were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So he's talking about a particular group of people. Now he shifts to talk about another group of people. And you, say you, also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now next week, Pastor Jeremy, the campus pastor, will be talking to you about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's role in this grand story and what it means in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit is vital to us living by the grand story of God. Well, here Paul is talking about the main characters. And the main characters are his church. He's talking about his church. He's talking about two groups of people, a we and a you, that God brings together to become one body called his church. Now, the we that he's talking about are Jewish followers of Christ. Paul was a Jewish follower of Christ. They were the first to hope in Christ. The, 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 first, the first church we had were predominantly, if not all, Jewish followers of Jesus Christ. They were the first to hope in Christ. And Ephesus had a strong Jewish contingency, and Paul's writing to them. But the you that he's talking about, the you people, are the Gentile followers of Christ. Ephesus was dominated by, by Gentiles. It was a Gentile city. And here, basically, he's saying, here are the main characters. Now, let's think about this. There are two groups of people in the world, Jews and Gentiles. You are one or the other. So Paul is basically saying, this grand story of God is available to everyone. We all can be main characters in this grand story of God coming together as what he calls his church. Now, listen, you can't get more opposite than Jews and Gentiles. I mean, these are people that have two very different stories. The Gentile story and the Jewish story are almost diametrically opposed. And God is working in both people. I mean, Jews were monotheistic, meaning they believed only in one God. Gentiles were polytheistic, meaning they served all kinds of different gods. They had multiple hundreds and thousands of gods. Jews were more conservative in their approach. They were more modern. They, they believed in more of an absolute truth because of the commands and the laws of God. Gentiles, on the other hand, were a postmodern type of thinking. They were more liberal in their thinking. They believed my truth is not necessarily your truth and your truth is not necessarily my truth, but all truth is relative and so we can all sort of get along to go along and get along. Jews were more real, religious in their approach. They had more religious activity that they were involved in, where Gentiles were more secular in their approach and they had less religious types of things that they were tied to. Two very opposite folks had two totally different stories writing their lives. What Paul said is that God gave his grand story to both groups that in Jesus Christ, that any one of those groups that chose to follow him, their stories would be rewritten into one group and this group would be finding their true identity in Christ again and finding what the real purpose of life was all about. That as this group came together in Christ as the church, that they would then be living out God's story to the rest of the world. That those that were living by the lesser fallen story of the world could see what the grand story of God was all about through this people called the church. In other words... Those who are followers of Christ, they're living by the now but not yet of God's story. 
In other words, we know that the lordship of Christ is going to rule and reign in this earth someday. And we know that the kingdom of God is going to, to cover this earth and, and, and Christ is going to rule. But the rulership of Christ to those who choose to follow him is right now in this earth. The, 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 the perfect joy that awaits us in the kingdom We can have a taste of that joy right now. The perfect peace, we can have that peace right now. The perfect hope, we can have that hope right now. The the authority that Christ is going to exercise in that kingdom. In that kingdom, all, all wickedness and evil are going to be eradicated. All sin is gone. But right now, living in this lesser fallen story of sin that touches our lives, we can, as followers of Christ, if we're followers of Christ in this room, we can live by the authority of Christ over sin. We don't have to be mastered by the brokenness of the fallen lesser story. We can live by the grand story of God and Christ. And in so doing, we, this one body called the church, we are Showing the rest of the world who are living by the lesser fallen story. What the grand story of God is. So that tells me God's story is to be read by others through us, the church. God's story has a happy ending. But through the people who have chosen to follow his son, Jesus Christ, we begin to live that happy ending now. And we are proclamators of that happy ending and our lives tell that story. And every one of us in here has a story. We could go from seat to seat right now and ask everybody's story. Some of you are thinking, if you do that, I am out of here right now. And we're not going to do that. But everybody has a story. And let's just sort of find out the stories in the room for a moment. This is going to be very simple. And I just want to throw out some preferences. We're going to compare some preferences. And let's just see who prefers what in here. For instance, dog versus cats. All right, if you had to choose between a dog or a cat, who are the cat lovers in the room? Raise your hand. Put them up good and high. Don't be ashamed. Nothing to be ashamed of. You're a cat lover. Who are the dog lovers in the room? Yeah, see, all dogs go to heaven. You do realize that, right? I mean, they made a movie about it, so it's got to be true. Target versus Walmart. Or Target, if you need that. Who are the Target people in the room? All right, pretty good. How about Walmart people? Okay, I think the Target people had it, but guess what? I don't think God really cares. (laughs) Coffee. Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. All right, who are the Starbucks people in the room? All right, who are the Dunkin' Donut people? Yeah, see, Dunkin' Donut is God's coffee. I just, you got to know that. (laughs) He, He loves Dunkin' Donut coffee. All right, last one. Toilet paper. Who are the... Believe you pull the toilet paper over the roll versus you pull it under the roll. Who prefers over the roll toilet paper pulling? You folks are all going to hell. <laughs> Just so I feel better, give me the under the roll toilet paper people. All right, let's hear it for the under roll toilet paper people in the room. You're going, are we really talking about toilet paper in church right now? Is that really happening? It is, yeah. And none of us were struck dead. We're all still here. I think. I can't really see, to be honest with you. But we could go on and on. And the differences of our stories in this room. Some of us are more liberal in our thinking. Some of us are more conservative in our thinking. But whatever our story, guess what? Everybody has one grand need in this room. 
And that is the need to have our stories rewritten by Jesus Christ. There's the commonality. And for those of us that are followers in Christ in this room that call ourselves the church, it doesn't mean we're superior to anyone. It doesn't mean that that we're greater than others that don't. All it means is that in this fallen lesser world that we find ourselves sort of struggling with, it's not that we're better, it's just that we have discovered the one who brings the best life possible. And that's why we are unapologetic to say to you, it is important as followers of Christ that we gather on a regular basis in corporate worship. Because we come together like this right now and it reminds us and it reaffirms in us and it re-edifies us and encourages us what the grand story of God is all about and that that's the story we're a part of. Because every day we are out in the lesser story of the fallen world and it, and it and it's working on us and it brings us down and we got to come together to get re-encouraged and re-empowered about what the grand story is about. That's why we're unapologetic about getting into life groups and doing life with smaller groups of people and hearing their stories and and being built up by one another's story of how God is rewriting our stories in Christ. So once again, we can live greater by the grand story. That's why we're unapologetic to say, hey, we really want you to find a place to serve as a part of this body. If this is going to be a place where you believe you're going to consistently come in corporate worship, we encourage you, find a place to serve. There are people, people got here at six in the morning to set up this equipment, to set up the pipe and drape, to set up all of the children's room, to set up all the stuff that's out in the lobby area. People who, who, who have got a hold of the idea that, you know what? My life is more than just the frustration of trying to get through the weekday of 9 to 5 and make it to the weekend where I'm in desperate need of relaxation and rest. They have come to the understanding there is more to life than that. And I want to be a part of something Or I can tangibly let people know there's a grand story of God that they're made for. And for those of you in here that maybe you're not a follower of Christ and you're just, you know, you're seeking, you're you're really wanting to understand. Man, I commend you for being here. I just encourage you, take a deeper look at this Christ. Who He is and the life that He brings. Because everyone could be a main character, regardless of our present story. Everyone can be a main character as the church in Christ. And the final part of God's story that I would leave with you is the theme of God's story. The theme of God's story. Paul continues on and in verses 12, 13, and 14. And what I want to do, I want to just sort of piece together some portions of this. Uh, not that the other portions that I'm leaving out are, are, are unimportant. It's just that I think Paul uses so much phraseology that sometimes it's difficult to connect the point that's being made. And so I'm separating some things out, but I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm missing the point of the text. I think I'm getting the point. But here is the theme. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth to the praise of His Glory, the theme of God's story is to the praise of his glory. Paul uses that phrase three times in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. And each time it has to do with one person of what we call the Holy Trinity. 
The Holy Trinity is God in three persons. God exists in one God, but three distinct persons. Five persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent as God. And Paul is talking about to the praise of God. The Father to the praise of God. The Son to the praise of God the Spirit. And the whole theme of the grand story of God is to the praise of His glory. That's what you and I are made for. Now, here's what you've got to understand. Glorifying God is for us. It's not really for Him. Now, what do I mean by that? God doesn't need our praise to be God. God is God alone. God isn't some insecure being whose ego is so fragile, he has to have constant affirmation from everyone to feel good about himself. Folks, that's us. That's not God. God doesn't need our praise to be God. We need to glorify God and praise Him with our lives because that's what we were made for. That is our purpose. That is our identity. And that's why God makes everything to His glory because that's where life is found. And see, God's story is greater than us. See, the problem was we made the story about us and that's what bound us to the fallen lesser story of brokenness. The story is about Him and our lives are to be lived unto Him. That's where our identity is. That's where our purpose is found. That's what we were made for. We lost it when we sinned against Him, but God loves us so much He didn't want us to stay there and He offers us the opportunity in His grand story to once again display His glory to Him. And into this earth. That's our purpose. That's our reason to be. John Piper, I think, gets a hold of this really well. John Piper is an author. And he's a speaker. And he says this. He writes this. He says, God is the one being in the universe. For whom self-exaltation is not the act of a needy ego. But the act of infinite giving. The reason God seeks our praise is not because he won't be fully God until he gets it. But that we won't be happy until we give it. This is not arrogance on God's part. This is grace. And this is not egomania talking about on God's part. This is love. Man, where real life is found, the the, the grand story that God wants to write into our lives, if we can get a hold of living everything we do in a day to the praise of God's glory. See, to the praise of God's glory doesn't just mean we're reading the Bible all the time or we're in church all the time. Or that miracles are happening all the time. Yes, that's to the praise of God's glory. But we're talking about the very mundane details of life. Paul basically put it this way. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He said this. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Read that out loud with me, please. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Do you know you can eat or drink to the glory of God? I think it might be depending on what you're drinking as to whether it's to the glory of God or not. But that's a whole other sermon. Think about that a moment. What God is saying is that the basic things of life, the things we consider routine, the things that we just sort of rotely go through, He's saying, look, even eating and drinking 
is to be the praise of God's glory. I'm going to invite the band to come up if they would. I, I got online and I googled practical ways to show God's glory. A bunch of great stuff came up. And one thing came up about giving glory when drinking coffee. I want you to think about this a moment. Paul just said it, when we eat and drink, whatever we do, for the glory of God. Just think about the next time you're drinking coffee. Just have on our minds, thank you, God, that you even made coffee. Thank you, God, that you gave us this. Or maybe you're not a coffee drinker, just think about the food you enjoy or whatever. Thank you, God, that you made this. Thank you, God, that you know what? I thank you for the people that harvested this, who planted this coffee, harvested it, packed it up. So all I got to do is drink it. Thank you for those people. God, thank you that I even have the ability to have this coffee in my hand and drink it right now. God, thank you that I can taste this. You made this, so made me so I could taste and enjoy coffee. Maybe this. The next time you go buy coffee, let's keep in mind the person that sells us the coffee. What kind of day might they be having? How might we be able to encourage their day? Instead of just being another person that just sort of walks through and hands the money, how we might be aware of that person? And how about this? We can blow them away. What if we bought the coffee of the person standing behind us? I know they would think it's really strange. But what if our lives really, even in the routine We understood it's to the praise of His glory. What might that do to our work lives? If work became more than just getting to to the job and nine to five and getting the paycheck and trying to make ends meet, what if it was to the praise of God's glory? What about our marriages? More than just having this spouse that I'm trying to exist with in some type of love relationship and we pop out these children that we want to just sort of take care of and have this home that that we want to make sure that we, you know, we have a good living. What if all of that was to the praise of God's glory? See, that's the theme of life for which we were made. Max Licato, in his book called God's Story, Your Story, he He tells this story of his niece and nephew that he took to the San Antonio Zoo. He says this. I knew the path to take. Start small and end wild. We began with the lowly glass-caged reptiles. Next, we oohed and awed at the parrots and pink flamingos. We fed the sheep in the petting zoo and tossed crumbs to the fish in the pond. But all along, I kept telling Lawson and Callie, we're getting closer to the big animals. Elephants and tigers are just around the corner. Finally, we reached the Africa section. For full effect, I told them to enter with their heads down and their eyes on the sidewalk. I walked them right up to the elephant fence. And just when I was about to tell them to lift their eyes, Lawson made a discovery. Look, a doodle bug. Where? Callie asked. Here. He squatted down and placed the pellet-sized insect in the palm of his hand and began to roll it around. Let me see it, Callie said. I couldn't lure them away. Hey, guys, this is the jungle section. 
No response. Don't you want to see the wild animals? No. They focused on the bug. There we stood, elephants to our left, lions on our right, only a stone throw from hippos and leopards. And what were they doing? Playing with a doodle bug. Don't we all? Myriads of mighty angels encircle us. The presence of our maker engulfs us. The witness of a thousand galaxies and constellation calls to us. The flowing tide of God's history carries us. The crowning of Christ as king of the universe awaits us. But we can't get our eyes off the doodle bugs of life. Paychecks, gadgets, vacations, and weekends. Open your eyes, Christ invites us. Lift up your gaze, he says to us. Limit your world to the doodle bugs of this life and mark it down. You'll be disappointed. Limit your story to the days between your birth and death and brace yourself for a sad ending because you and I were made for more in this life. Doodlebug versus the great adventure. This grand story that God has for you and I. I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just a moment. And I just want to say a prayer for you in this room. You're sitting here right now, perhaps, and you know what? You, your story right now has, has some work to do. Maybe, maybe your story right now has some marital issues that you need prayer for. Maybe your story right now even has divorce in it. Maybe your story right now has other types of relational issues that... You need God's grand story to break through. And maybe, maybe your physical body, the story of your physical body is that, that it's, it's ill in some way and you need the grand story of God's healing to come in on you. Maybe, maybe you've got work and financial issues that your story has that are, that, are, that, are, that are really hurting in you and you need God to move His grand story in some way. Maybe, maybe your story's filled with a lot of guilt and regret about things you know you've done or things that have been done to you and you need the forgiveness and the healing of God. I don't know what your story is, but wherever we find ourselves here this morning and the lesser story of this world and wickedness has broken us, there is a God in Jesus Christ to bring healing and hope and begin to rewrite those areas of our lives. And I'm going to ask something here that may be a little awkward for some. You just say, I would like prayer. I would like prayer because there's some issues in my story that only God can really deal with. And if you do, I'm just going to invite you to do one thing. Just put your hand straight up in the air and bring it right back down. Nobody's looking around. Just do it. God bless. I see all kind of hands. This is you and me. Many, many hands. I thank you for that. Father God, I pray for every individual that raised her, his or her hand or maybe those that it was just too awkward for them. But God, I pray right now that whatever of that story that is of the fallen lesser story that sin has brought into all of our lives, I'm praying right now that the presence of your grand story that's only available to us in Christ to penetrate right to where they are right now. Father, maybe for some of them it's, it's making the decision to even enter into the story. Maybe, maybe it's a decision that they've got to say, okay, look. 
Christ, you be the leader and Lord and forgiver of my life. Maybe, maybe for some of them it's that. Maybe for some of them it's just saying, you know what? I've been caught up so much in the mundane and just going through life. God, help me that I'm going to elevate my sights that all my life and everything is going to be about, even to the detail, to the praise of your glory. God, I'm asking for healing to come into hearts and into bodies and into minds in this place, God. I'm asking, God, for marriages to be restored and made whole, God. The grand story of your greatness and restoration to penetrate. God, I'm praying for the followers of Christ in this room here at Canton Campus that we truly are being rewritten by the great story of your son, Jesus Christ, that we will proclaim and reflect your glory into this community I thank you God that you've never given up on us and right now Father help us to give up on the doodle bugs of life and help us to see the greatness of the grand story that you have for us I ask it now for your praise and glory in Jesus name this is